Amen. Well, I don't, uh, I won't say that I intentionally picked out this tie to wear, uh, or the or these cufflinks with these alligator heads. I, I think it was just by coincidence all that found its way in my suitcase. So I didn't want to grieve the Holy Spirit in this meeting, and uh, so I wasn't going to bring that up, preacher. But uh, I sure do appreciate the opportunity to be here. Um, Brother Wayne is my friend, and he's been my friend for a while. He lets me beat him in golf, which I think that's a blessing. And uh, we had a good time today. But uh, I'll tell you this, uh, this is one of my favorite places to preach and, uh, and to be. And I was thinking on the way over here, it's hot down here. And I'm thinking maybe we ought to adjust this meeting uh, maybe to... Uh, you know, decent preaching in December, or, or, or you know, uh, just okay preaching in January, or fair preaching in February, or mediocre preaching in March, you know, something like where it's cooler, and, uh, but uh, what a great opportunity, I appreciate Brother Wayne, he, uh, we, we met through Brother Tony Howarth, and um, Brother Wayne came up, did a, a marriage uh, retreat for us. And uh, our people love him, and I know you love him. And uh, what a great pastor he is, great friend, great preacher. And, uh, you know, he, he mentioned this church was, was built off of uh, uh, soul winning. And I'll tell you this, um, I, I don't, uh, I, I'll just say this because I'm going home later and uh, Brother Wayne can, you know, pick up the pieces later. But um, I was telling the guy this, we were talking and, young preacher in our area. See, you guys in Georgia don't know how it is in North Carolina. Uh, what we do in North Carolina is we just, uh, we just go like a mile down the road from the church, and then we start another one, you know. And uh, so uh, I was out in Utah in July, and in the state of Utah, I was telling preacher, uh, Utah is one of the fastest growing states in America, and in the entire state of Utah, there are what you and I would consider good independent Baptist churches in the whole state. There's less than 15. There's 15 on the road I pastor. And, uh, you know, what we, I told a guy this, and uh, he, he didn't like it too much. And I said, you know, it's interesting to me. I said, years ago, if a shepherd would steal another shepherd's sheep, we would call him a thief. I said, in uh, today's society, we just call it church, we just call it church growth. We just call it church growth now, you know. And so uh, I, I'm, I'm burdened. Uh, Brother Wayne mentioned I go out west quite a bit because I, I see the need. And may I say this, uh, if, if we as, as uh, uh, it's not like it is in the southeast all over this country. It really is not. And uh, the, it's almost uh, should make us feel a little bit guilty that, uh, that we have not done a better job as independent uh, fundamental Baptist of getting the gospel not only around the world but around our country and a lot of the economic and the political and social problems we see in our country now is not a Republican Democrat problem it is a spiritual problem and it's a spiritual problem because we've not uh, we haven't really obeyed the Great Commission we're to go out and see them saved and baptized and make disciples and uh, so that's sermon number one uh, and uh, the next one will be shorter. How about that? But I appreciate uh, uh, the opportunity to be here. I want to share this. You can go ahead and turn your Bible to Luke chapter 5. I probably will not share anything. I don't 
really appreciate Brother Wayne putting me in between Joe Arthur and Clarence Sexton. That's not really fair. <laughs> not, yeah, thanks, preacher, a whole lot. But uh, I'll just share my heart with you tonight. Hopefully it'll be a blessing, and if not, then uh, you get mad at the preacher for having me. Uh, but uh, Luke chapter 5 will begin in verse number 1. I'll tell you a story I heard this week. Uh, uh, there was a, a preacher, and he was, he was preaching, and he looked up in the balcony, and he saw his son. His son had a straw, and uh, he was making spit wads. And, and uh, you know, if you, most of you know what that is, he makes spit wads, and he was shooting them at people. And so his dad was trying to preach, you know, and he just kept, couldn't get his eyes off his son up in the balcony. And he gave him eye contact, and his little boy looked up, and he said, Daddy, he said, you keep preaching to him, I'll keep him awake. <laughs> so we don't have a balcony tonight, so if you get hit in the head, not my fault, all right? Amen. Luke chapter 5, verse number 1. Let's stand together if you're able to tonight. And a familiar passage, and I'll just share a thought with you. And uh, If you had barbecue and uh, beans tonight, you can say you got something out of church. Amen. Uh, the Bible said in verse number 1, it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him, notice this, to hear the word of God. He stood by the uh, lake of Gennesaret and saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now, uh, I, let me share something with you from this scripture. I, I've kind of uh, joking with our church. I said, I've never understood why for an hour uh, the congregation gets to sit down and the preacher has to stand up. Now, if we're going to be biblical, which I think we should, Jesus sat down when he preached. And so I think we ought to take the example from Jesus, don't you? Y'all stand up and the preacher gets to sit down. But the Bible said here that in... Uh, in verse number 4, now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets. Notice that, nets for a draught. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. When they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net break. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships so that they began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the word of God. Thank you for the truth of it. And Lord, I want to be a help to your people. I thank you for this dear man of God and this church. Thank you for the good singing. Those young people, God, what a blessing they were in the choir. And Lord, thank you for every person here. And so I want to make the most of the time we have together. I don't want to say anything you don't want me to say. I want to say every word that you want me to say. So control my lip, my, my, my mind. And Lord, give us receptive minds and hearts. And we'll thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. You can be seated. Now, I'll say by way of introduction, again, nothing you've probably never heard. I just want to reinforce. I, I remember hearing... Uh, preaching a message one time, I, you know, preachers, sometimes we get the idea, God will give us a thought, and we'll say, man, this is great, and this is new, and this is original, and uh, you preach it, and uh, then all of a sudden, you hear another sermon, somebody else preached it. 
And uh, I did that one time. I got to a scripture, and I, I mean, it was just, you know how it flows, and God gives it to you. Man, there, nobody has ever seen this before. This is a new nugget. And uh, we had a missionary about two weeks later, and he had written a whole book on that passage. And I thought, man, that's, you know. And so uh, I, I'm not here to try to dazzle you with some new idea. I'm just trying to reinforce probably something you've heard preached a thousand times. But I want to share this thought. I'm uh, 48 years old, been pastoring 17 years. Brother Wayne is uh, 49 years old, been pastoring 40 years. And, and uh, you know, you other men of God, I, as, as we think about this, it seems like who we are as independent Baptists are dying. You're like that. And, and we're, we're in a day where it seems like uh, the contemporary crowd and you know, this crowd and that crowd, everybody's wanting that and we're kind of uh, pulling in the stakes and we're saying, well, let's just hold on till Jesus comes. Amen. I mean, uh, we know we're in the last days and there's a great falling away and nobody's getting saved anymore and uh, old time religion is dead. And may I say, we need to do the opposite. We need to launch out. Amen. We need to start churches and we need to go soul winning and start bus routes and we need to hold the faith and we ought to keep doing what we're doing. But what happens is, let's be honest, we get discouraged and we get downtrodden and uh, we want to quit and there's something wrong with the preacher and the church isn't right and the, the carpet is not the right color and whatever happens. We're just tired. And so here we see that the disciples and, and at this point in time, especially Peter, I thought about this. You know, we look through the Gospels and we see all the mess ups Peter has. All the times he puts his foot in his mouth and, you know, all the times he says things he shouldn't say. And, but you, know, you ever thought about this? Here Peter, the Lord said, launch out. And Peter said, well, we've already done it one time, but it's your word, I'll do it. And in John 21, when Peter went fishing and Peter said, Lord, you know I love you. And the Lord said, yeah, well, if you do, feed my sheep and feed my lambs. You know who preached at the day of Pentecost? It wasn't John the Beloved. It wasn't Doubting Thomas. It wasn't any of the rest of them. It was Peter. So I'm just saying this. You and I are imperfect people and God knows that. and He knows uh, the, the, kind of the dumb things we're going to do, but God still wants to use us. But we've got to launch out. You've got to quit being in defense mode and, and the word occupy does not mean just hold on till Jesus comes. It means to go into enemy territory and take over. And so here Peter was a professional fisherman. He had experience. He knew how to catch fish. And you know, we in 2019, I've been to conferences you have. We've been to church planning conferences and church growth conferences and Sunday school and missions and training and on and on and on. And there's nothing wrong with those things. But may I say the one thing I think we're missing is relying on the power of God. There was a day when a church, my friend, would come and pray on Saturday night and, and God would answer that prayer and there'd be revival that struck out Sunday morning. And maybe what we need is not methods. Maybe we just need to get back to praying and to relying on God. See, he had fished all night, caught nothing. He was defeated. He was tired. He, he looked and said, man, it ain't worth fishing. And they're washing their nets and he was in a dry place in his life. You ever been there? You know what? Saturday we buried one of our deacons. One of our, uh, I was telling the church uh, Saturday, I said, I've buried three men, three of our deacons in 17 years and all of them impacted me in a positive way. 
and we have trials, don't we? We have tribulation, we have problems we have to deal with. And if we're not careful, we look up and as that choir was singing about how good God is, do you think God's good because of what He does for you or do you think God's good because He's good? See, He does things for us and is good to us because God's good. But the only time you think God's good is when He's doing good in your eyes. There'll be times you'll say, well, God's not all that good. God's just good. And so he, Peter did the best he could, but it wasn't enough. You ever felt like that? You run a bus route, you go knock on doors, preacher, you preach, and uh, you share your heart, and you preach your guts out, and you study, and, and it just doesn't seem like it's enough. You ever been there? You ever thought maybe it's not that we need to put forth more effort? Maybe we just need to launch out. And so we're comfortable and satisfied with the way things are. My wife and I were having a conversation this week, and I said, you know, I said that by all accounts and all means and preachers, we get this way, and uh, we, we look and we'll say, you know, if I can just hang on till whenever. I mean, Brother Wayne, honestly, there's not a preacher in America that would not be happy with a crowd like this on a Tuesday night. But we can't get satisfied, can we? We cannot get to the place where we're just saying, hey, I'm just going to go to church and read my Bible and pray and tithe and sing in the choir and I'm not looking for revival. I'm not looking to stir anything up and I just want to hang on till Jesus comes. No, we can't get there. We've got to launch out. We've got we to gotta, we gotta storm the walls, amen. We, we've got to be the group that when they look, they say, here they come again, hallelujah. So we know that times are bad. We know that bad is everywhere. And maybe it is time that we launch out into the deep, totally dependent on the Lord and not on our intellect, our methods, our power, our methods. We just need to get out and trust God again. And let me share a couple thoughts with you, a couple points, and we'll close her up and go to the house. Amen? I want you to see, number one, the, the command. In verse number one through four, the Lord gives Peter a few things that he tells him to do. And so the Bible said in verse number 2, he saw two ships standing by the lake, but the fishermen were going out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land, and he sat down and talked. Now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, can we agree when Jesus speaks, it's the word of God? I was telling our church this, and you know how you say things and it makes sense to you, but when you say it, people look at you like this. I said, you know, if you got one of those red-letter editions of the Bible that has the words of Jesus in red, I said, hallelujah, from Genesis to Revelation, it all ought to be red. And some of them are going. When Jesus speaks, it's the Word of God. And so here, He doesn't just suggest it. He says here, Simon, launch out into the deep. That doesn't look to me like he's saying if you want to, if you feel like it, if you're not tired, if you're not discouraged. It looks to me like the Word of God, the command of God, what God is telling Peter and what God's telling us today is launch out. Forget about discouragement. Forget about the world. Forget about the politics. Forget about Fox News and MSNBC. We've got a God in heaven that is all powerful and he's telling us forget about the turmoil, just launch out church. Here's what he said. He said in his command, he said, lend me your boat. 
Lend me your boat. In other words, he's saying, are you willing to give me that which is most valuable to you? God don't want you trash. He don't want you leftovers. We had a missions conference one time and we had an old mountain preacher. And he said, boy, he said, I've heard him say, preacher, just cut back on your donuts and your McDonald's and give that money to the Lord for missions. He said, God don't want your tater chip money. God don't want what's left over. He, want, he wants what's first. And for a fisherman, there could be nothing more valuable than his boat. And Jesus said, Peter, I, I want to get on your boat. And he's got the boat at the shore washing the nets. And Jesus said, just, just go out a little bit. Amen. You know, isn't it the way God does? He didn't always tell us immediately to launch out. He proves himself and he says, just go out a little bit and let me have what's most valuable to you. And I'll ask you tonight, what's most valuable to you? That's good. That's good. These young people got up here and sang, here am I, Lord, send me. And you know what? Uh, as parents, we'd all say, well, I, I pray God would use my, my child somehow. But how many would say, God, take them and put them on the mission field? God, take me and put me on the mission field. Amen. See, God doesn't want, let, He wants what's valuable. He wants to use what's valuable to you. And so he says, lend me your boat. Will you tonight relinquish control of that which you have control of? Because Peter was the captain of his ship. And Jesus is saying, I don't need you to be the captain. Hey, I can be the captain and I'll do it better than you if you'll give me what's most valuable to you. Isn't it amazing we'll trust Jesus with the most important thing of salvation? I mean, if, if you're wrong about salvation, there's no second chance. But when it comes to your daily life, you won't let him have that. I mean, if he, if, he can, if he can keep us, save us, take us to heaven, boy, he can tell you where to work at. He can handle your house payment, your car payment, your $7,000 a month cell phone payment. Amen. So he says, lend me your boat, but here's the second command. He says, here, launch out. He didn't say launch out in the shallow water. He said launch out into the deep. Now, why is that important? Because let's, let's look at this. You're never going to launch out until you make some effort. To launch means to push, right? He didn't say drift out. He didn't say meander out. He didn't say let the current take you where to go. He said launch out. Amen. And so the Lord wants our obedience to uh, his command and in order for Peter to be blessed with the amount of fish that he got, he wasn't going to catch it right there. Amen. He was going to have to launch out. Now my question to you tonight, church, is will you launch out? Well, you don't understand, preacher. Uh, you don't understand. Uh, this church has moved in and these people have moved in and the Muslims have moved in and you just don't understand how it is down here in Dalton, Georgia. You don't understand how it is in Arcadia, North Carolina. We got more churches than we got people. We can, we can talk about how bad we've got it. You don't understand my job, preacher. You don't understand my situation. 
I don't, but there's a God in heaven that did. He understood Peter's situation, and he still told Peter, launch out. Amen? And so the command was not to float, not to drift, not to meander. He said launch to make a concerted effort to go to a place where only God can do it. Will you do that? Go to that place where only God can do it. Why? Because He wants to get the glory. See, it takes labor to get us to the place where God can do something with us. you got to make an effort. You know, the, the, the promises, most of the promises in the Bible that God gives us are conditional. God says, you do this and I'll do this. And so there was no way Peter was going to catch what he caught until he obeyed God and said, I'm going out to where you say. I don't understand it, amen. Listen, I don't understand it. You don't understand it. You don't have to. Here's a biblical principle. Obey when you don't understand it, and then God will give you some revelation in the thing so you can understand more. But until you trust Him, He's not going to... How many times have we read the Bible and just said, well, God told me to give, I'm going to give. And you give and God starts revealing some things about giving or you read your Bible because uh, we're to study to show ourselves approved. And as we obey the commands of God, God says, okay, I'm going I'm to pull back a little bit more for you. You don't have to understand it all before you go. You just got to go. So he said, lend me your boat, launch out, and then here's what he said. Look at verse number three. He said, uh, or verse number four, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draw. Watch this. Now, let, let, let's not be too hard on Peter. Let's put ourselves there. Can we do that tonight? Peter's already said this, or it's going to say this. He said, Lord, we've already done that. We've already toiled all night. We've already fished all night. And as you can see, by the lack of fish in our net, we didn't catch anything. You know how many times we've gone and done this? Listen, we're from Currytown Baptist Church. Want to invite you to already go somewhere. Not interested. Sick them. You ever heard of that? I like when they try to speak Spanish to you, but they don't speak Spanish. You know, like they say, me no speak English. And like, dude, you're not Hispanic. We've got a Spanish ministry. Okay. But you know what we do? What you do? Oh, I was in a conference one time and this guy, it was a church growth conference. And I knew, you ever know preachers, you get, somebody invites you to something, you go, I ain't going to like this. I don't like it, I just know, but you go because you try to be cordial and be nice. And So this guy, I won't mention the name, you'd know him if I told you. He got up and basically told us why our ways no longer work, knocking on doors. And they were telling us how you're supposed to have community days and all, I mean, just all this stuff. And he said, and he had this look on his face like, I'm telling all you little preachers something you don't know. 
I just got about enough redneck in me. You know, I, I mean, I don't get impressed with a whole lot of people just, you know, because of who they are and the size of their church and all that. I mean, they, they put their spiritual britches on just like I do. And so I just raised my hand, and he knew me. I didn't know, by the way, he knew me. I guess I had already been tagged. So I raised my hand, and he, Brother McDaniel. I said, so what you're telling me is that we need to quit knocking on doors? He said, well, I'm telling you, it's not the most effective way of outreach anymore. <laughs> so you're telling me that we're not supposed to obey the Bible, but we're to look for gimmicks to get people to come to our church. Well, that's not what I'm saying. Anyway. He said, I'm just saying it doesn't work anymore. And I said, so what if this community day that you decide to have in this particular community, everybody don't come to it in that community? Is it okay for us to let them go to hell and not at least witness to them because they decided they couldn't come to our community day? Or would it be better to at least leave the, the seed on their door? Well, that's not what I'm saying. He moved on. I don't care what you think works. See, salvation is of the Lord. It's not up to me to save them. It's up to me to give them the seed. It's up to you to give them the seed. It's sad that there are churches across America that have no outreach that could care less about the guy across the street that's lived across the street for 47 years from an independent fundamental King James Baptist church and has nobody ever come and knocked on his door because we're too busy with our programs. I'm just saying it's not our plan, it's God's plan. And you might go knock on a door a hundred times and God may send somebody else, but if we'll just obey God and we'll just launch out and let God do the work and stop worrying about what works and what doesn't work and just obey God. Peter had already been out there and he's saying, Lord, you don't get it. We've already fished all night. We're fishermen. And so here's what the Lord said. He said, okay, launch out, let down your nets. I can see Peter, can't you, like some of us? All right. All right. Here's what he was doing. He was using something that had already failed and seemed totally irrational. It didn't make sense to Peter. But can we agree that his ways are not our ways? His thoughts are not our thoughts. God's not all that interested in what we think. When he wrote the word of God, he didn't call the Baptist brethren and say, guys, what do you think about this? He's God. He doesn't have to answer to Peter, and he doesn't have to answer to me, and he doesn't have to answer to anybody. So he's telling Peter, launch out, let down your nets, plural. You know what that takes? Faith. Because we got to stop trusting our ways and start trusting God. And so it seemed irrational. It seemed like, hey, we've already done it and failed. But you keep going and you keep running buses and you keep knocking on doors and you keep having awesome preaching in August and you keep uh, living the life and you keep having convictions and standards and you keep obeying the Bible. And it may not make sense to this world and it may not make sense to you. But when you, God tells us to do it and we obey it, it's not about our sacrifice, it's about our obedience because God does not need our help. We need his. 
So there's this command number two. Look at the compliance. So in verse 4, he said, let down your nets. And here's the Bible said in verse 5, Simon answering. That's us, isn't it? Wouldn't it be good if verse 5 said, and Simon said, yes, Lord. But then we couldn't get as much help out of it, could we? Because the Bible said, Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. Interesting to me, I am of the opinion that our Bible is inspired. And so if it's inspired... God didn't make any mistakes in it. So the Lord told Peter, let down your nets. And I'm not an English major, but I think if uh, my, you know, uh, redneck education serves me correctly, S on the end of net means there's more than one. Plural. The Lord said, let down your nets. Take them out there, where, you know, way out the deep where nobody, you know, where you've been before and let down your nets. And Peter said, Lord, you don't get it. We've been out there all night. We've told, we've done all that we can. But nevertheless, at thy word, I'll let down the net. There's a difference between nets and net. So in his compliance, notice this, first of all, his toiling or his labor. He worked hard and worked long. I had a young man on our staff years ago, and he would... Tell me on Sunday, he'd say, Preacher, I was up here for 14 hours yesterday. So, okay, what'd you do? Well, I was up here working for 14 hours. But what'd you do? I mean, it takes you 14 hours to do what it should take you two hours. That's not impressive to me, see? We can work hard and not get anything done. What we need is God's power. And so here he's saying he worked hard, he worked long, he did what he knew to do in his own power, but it didn't work. You ever felt like that? When my wife and I had not, my wife and I got married, we had this plan, Brother Killian, we, we had this plan. We're going to be married five years, we're going to have our first child. I mean, here, you know, we had it, well, guess what? We were married five years, so okay, let's start having a baby. Didn't happen quite like that. We tried for several years. And so I, was, I said, well, let's just go and check on maybe doing foster kids. So we're going, through, going to go through the classes and do all that stuff. And then the Lord blessed us with a child. I thought, well, man, you know, we're in church, teaching Sunday school, singing in the choir, doing all the things we know to do. Here's our son born. Five minutes after he's born, they rush him to the intensive care unit. His heart rate got up to 320 beats a minute. They thought they figured out what was going on. We took him home. It's all good. Go to church next Sunday, come home. Our neighbor runs across the street, says they had to take Luke and the ambulance to the hospital. His heart rate got up again. Brother Cofield, I, I'll be honest, I, I looked up and said, God, why? Why would you give him to us and then won't take him? 
So they figured out what was going on, put him on medication. And it seemed like everything was good. They, I remember one time, you know, moms and dads, that is, you can go through a lot, but when you see your babies going through it, they had to, had to wear a heart monitor. I mean, here he is crawling around the floor. That heart monitor looks like a backpack on him. Well, I remember one night, brother, I saw him on the floor, and I just started weeping. I thought, here's a kid hadn't done anything. He's going through all these heart issues. Then in between Luke and our second child, we had a child. My wife miscarried, and I thought, you know, God, we're trying to do, here's people all over the world. They don't want kids, and they're having them. We want kids, and we can't have them. What's going on here? It's not right. I had to figure out what my walk was because I was basing the blessings of God on what I was doing instead of like the choir saying, he's just good. I don't understand all his ways. You don't either. And so here's Peter going, this doesn't make sense to me. We've labored. We've done what we know to do. And you felt that way. I have. We go to church. We sing in the choir. We sow in. We tithe. And it's still not adding up, God. Uh, You're asking us to do something that is not natural. Yeah. But why would he ask us to do that? Because you see... Here, the Bible said in his compliance, if you'll notice verse 5, he said, we've toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Not a minnow, not a sardine, not a little uh, mud cat, not a channel cat. He said, we ain't got nothing. You ever felt like that? Nothing. Zero. Zilch. But we're doing what we know to do. We hadn't seen a soul saved in six months or a year or two weeks or whatever it is. Going on a bus route and we're knocking on doors and we're, we're, we're offering the prizes and we're doing all that we know to do but nothing. You ever feel like that? So what's the difference? Well, his efforts were fruitless. His take was nothing. And then his trust in verse number 5. He said, nevertheless, at thy word I will let down the net. I don't get it. You ever felt like that, God? I don't get it. I don't feel like going to church. You know what? I'll be honest with you. When I preached our deacon's funeral Saturday, man, it wasn't a funeral. My soul. Our choir sang. They hadn't even got into the first verse good. And man, they're shouting all over the building. The building was packed. And here's a man that's a prayer warrior. And he, he'll shout. He, he don't even like Duke. But I admit something about Duke. He'd shout about Duke because he just loves to rejoice. He'd shout over announcements. Amen. I mean, you know, he just, he just loved God. Amen. And you know, as a pastor, you're going, Lord, you took one of the best. Let me tell you what I found out. Today, I preached on Sunday night. Uh, we usually Facebook Live everything. I said, just cut the cameras off. We're not even going to do that tonight. We're just going to have our home folks. We're going to deal with this. I mean, we, we need some time to grieve. We need some time to, to deal with this and get over it. And I mentioned this. I said, you know what? We either have to look at it this way. We have a, a gap in our church now because he was a prayer warrior, a soul winner, a tither. Here's a, or... We can look at it that because the Lord took him, somebody else has got to step up or more people have got to step up and people can be fruitful and flourish. 
I got a text today from our associate pastor said, Brother so-and-so went on visitation with us this morning. He ain't never gone on visitation before. You don't know what God's doing. Just trust him. If he says launch out, don't say, God, you don't understand. We've already been doing this. If he says start a bus route, don't say, but Lord, we've knocked on these doors before. If he says go into a neighborhood, hand out tracts, don't say, God, but we've hit that neighborhood 55 times and nobody comes to church. Stop worrying about your human wisdom and just realize that God has a plan and the shepherd can see farther down the road than the sheep and just trust the shepherd. And so he says this, uh, he, he said, at thy word, right? Nevertheless, at thy word. That's all we got to know. God said it. He didn't say my feeling. He didn't say because you've convinced me. He just said at thy word, I will let down the net. You say, well, wait a minute, preacher. You said Jesus told him to let down the nets, and he just let down the net. Yeah? Are you glad that you don't have to be perfect for God to do something in your life? Because there's been a lot of times I, God's told me to do something. I said, you know, maybe I don't get it just right. You know what I'm saying? God blesses anyway. God is bigger than, God knows. Listen, he knew Peter was going to let down the net. But he said, I want to prove something to you, Peter. You obey me and I'll bless you even when you don't fully get it. So the best thing for us to do when God gives us a command is just comply with it. Don't argue with Him. Just comply with it. And then I'll share this and I'll close the catch. Isn't it good God rewards us? and God gives us some stuff and, and rewards us and uh, gives us some fruit when may, we really don't deserve it because the Bible said in verse 6, and when they had this done... There it is. You can talk about how much you love God and how much you have faith and trust God. But at some point in time, God is going to trust your faith where you have to do something with it. And the Bible said in verse 6, when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude. There it was. They did something and God did something. They enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net break. And they beckoned unto their partners which were in the other ship that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships so that they began to sink. So notice a couple things in the catch. First of all was that the bounty of it, that it was more than they caught on their own. Now I'm, I'm guessing you don't, have to, you don't have to be a mathematician to see a multitude of fish is better than how much. Zero. When they did it on their own, they caught zero. Now, I'm not smart, but zero ain't good. If you're fishing and you caught zero, you didn't do good. Amen? But the Lord gave them multitudes. Why? Because he did what he told them to do. And so the bounty was it was more than they could handle. Listen, God has a bigger shovel than you do. God will give you more than you can handle. Man, I'm sitting there in that choir singing. They're singing about God being good. And I'm just thinking about how good God's been in my life. All that God's done for me. All that God has given me. All that God has blessed me with, friend. Listen, we have a reason to be thankful because God will bless you beyond what you can handle if you'll trust Him. And so with God, all things are possible. It was not by His human effort, but something only God could do and get the glory for. 
Let me tell you about our little church. When I took it, now get this, this is not the way independent Baptists do things, right? God called me to preach in May. I preached a message in our home church the following Sunday, and I preached another message at another church, and then I took a church and started pastoring. So May, called to preach. August, I'm the proud pastor of a 12-member church. Hallelujah. I remember the first Sunday we went and we pulled in the park, and it wasn't in the parking lot, we had a gravel driveway. And our church was, I mean, our home church is like this one. I mean, phenomenal. My pastor could preach the horns off a of billy goat. Man, the choir is like angels were singing every time the choir. I mean, you know, that's what I was used to. And I'm like, and we pull in, there's three cars. Not in the parking lot, in the driveway. Church is not supposed to have a driveway. It's supposed to have a parking lot. Boy, I got my Bible and I'm just walking in there just happy as I can be. And I preached myself to death. It wasn't good preaching, but it was my preaching. We got in the car driving home and I looked at my wife. I said, God's going to call me to pastor that church. And she said, you don't know what a thing about pastoring a church. You ain't been preaching but two months. I said, I know, but I just know. And a couple weeks later, they said, hey, would you consider pastoring church? So I tried to get real spiritual. I said, well, let me pray about it. I'd already been praying about it. Man, I already knew what God showed me. They said, oh, that church's got a bad reputation, and, you know, it's been there for 40 years, never done anything, and I didn't care. I just knew, man, I was 31 years old. You weren't going to tell me anything. I'd go four nights a week. Man, we lived 35 miles away. I'd go four nights a week just wearing doors out. Hi, I'm Mike McDaniel. I pastor Currytown Baptist Church. I want to invite you to church. You go anywhere? Knocked on the door one time, and I didn't tell them who I was. I said, hey, just want to invite you to church. They said, where do I go to church? I said, where do you go to church at? They said, over there. I said, honey, what's the name of that church we go to? She said, Currytown Baptist Church. I said, what's the pastor's name over there? She said, I can't remember. I said, I've been over six months. I had not seen you one time. wasn't supposed to be done that church was dead right don't let people tell you what God can do see the thing was they had already gone and it hadn't worked out it was by their human effort they failed they were fruitless but God wanted to do something to get the glory and that's what he's interested in in your life and mine it's not about you it's about him and if you'll bring him glory he'll use you amen and so then, not only do you see the bounty in the catch, but you see the brokenness. Uh, the Bible said the net broke. I have two thoughts. One, maybe if they'd used more than one net like the Lord told them, the net wouldn't have broke. But number two, I, I see this, that it ripped apart their human effort. Somebody made that net. And you know what? Sometimes we've got to realize we've got to be broken before God can do anything big with us. Sometimes God's got to rip your world apart and that you've got to realize that you're not all that and that God sure is big and all He wants you to do is realize that and trust Him and God may just do something amazing with you. Amen. It isn't until things get broken that we see God bless them. Then let me finish with this and I'll get out of the way. The Bible said here, they beckoned unto their partners which were in the other ship in verse 7 that they should come and help them and they came and filled both the ships 
So they began to sing. Well, I want you to see the blessing. So here's Peter, right? The Lord says, okay, Peter, if you will launch out into the deep, let down your nets in a place you've already been that doesn't seem like it'll work, I'm going to do something for you. He, he blessed him. But watch this. The blessing was not confined to Peter. Here's his partners. That's what the Bible said, partners. And they got some of the fish. You ever thought maybe you're going through what you're going through so God can bless somebody else? You ever think maybe God's wanting to, to do something through you, not just for you, but for other people? See, when God blesses, He doesn't want to always just bless us. He wants other people. But you know what? Your faithfulness can be a blessing to somebody else. Talking about the Lord's Supper, I, I was thinking about every time we take the Lord's Supper, I remember this older gentleman that used to, I used to go to church with. He was probably in his 80s and uh, feeble. I remember sitting beside of him one Sunday night. I was just a teenager. Wasn't living for God, didn't care anything about church. But this, okay, this, this stuck with me. Here's this little old man, 80-some years old. Has that communion cup, his hands shaking like this. And he's spilling that grape juice all over his white shirt. But he still took communion. And I remember there were times he couldn't come to church. He lived down the road from us. My dad's saying, now we're going by Mr. Owen's house. He's going to be out at the driveway with his, with his tithe. You go by his house, he's at the driveway. Faithful. All these years later, you know sometimes why we keep going? Why I keep going? Because down through my life, there's been a whole lot of people. Well, they poured a lot of good into me. Not only God, but there's been a lot of people in my life that prayed for me. Loved me when I didn't deserve it. Taught me. Trained me. And I want to be that blessing to others. And you want to be that blessing to others. See, when God blesses you, He may be blessing you to bless some other people. Let me leave you with this thought. Preacher, I'll turn it over to you. Peter went two times in just a short period of time went fishing, right? We established that. What was the difference between the first time and the second time? If you read verse 8, the Bible said Peter fell down at the knees of Jesus. Didn't say they had taken the boat in. What's the difference? The first time Peter went out, he didn't have the Lord. Second time he went out, he had Jesus with him. Amen. You ever thought maybe it's not the efforts and the methods, 
Maybe it's just him. Maybe it's just him. Maybe what we need tonight is just to get a glimpse of him and say, Lord, you know what? I don't understand it all. But at your word, I'll do it. I'll launch out. Whitfield Baptist Church, I know, listen, you, you, you got a godly heritage. People know you around the country. But don't be satisfied with that. Don't look and say, we, you know what, Brother Wayne, however many years he's going, he's probably going to be here another 50 years. We're just going to hang on. No, launch out. Launch out. Let God get the glory. Let God bless you so you can bless some other people. Let God show you that even when everybody else says it can't be done, that he's big enough to do it. Let's stand together, bow our heads, pray.